Hello, everyone, and welcome to the TPM podcast that stands for Theology of Plain Men. My name is Zach. I am in the studio, and I am joined remotely uh, by my still socially distant and virtual friend, Cody Toholgi. How are you doing tonight, Cody? Doing good. Coming to an end of the uh, isolation, and hopefully we'll actually be back in the man cave dungeon basement. That's that's a nice way to word the state of, of what my basement is. So you're coming to the kind of the back end of, of your, your isolation here, and I will say, this is back-to-back weeks. We've had you on the podcast. Uh, I'm beginning to get worried that you're... Uh, that you're getting bored over there, that you're running out of things to do on the podcast this much. How are things going for you in isolation? I have a feeling they're uh, starting to get pretty dire over there. Ooh, it it does get a little boring. I mean, as you made the point, I've been on this podcast now two weeks in a row. Like <laughs> what, you know, this is, you could call it lucky. I think as you alluded to, it's just what else is going on. Sure. Sure. So... I think we're pretty much going to hop right into it here. We are on a Zoom meeting, uh, and I don't have a a premier paid subscription to Zoom, so I don't want to get booted halfway through this podcast, so I think we'll just get rumbling. Uh, What are we going to talk about today, Cody? Well, Zach, we are going to talk about one of everyone's favorite words, which is obedience, Uh, specifically in the Christian context, I think it's a topic that honestly for me maybe has some negative connotations because when you're growing up, you think of uh, obedience. I tend to think of it in terms of like a parent child relationship, you know, is the kid wanting to have fun, whatever it is they want to do. And the parent comes crashing in telling them what they have to do. And so sometimes I think that kind of carries forward even to our adult lives when we think of um, obedience. But what we want to do is challenge what our motivation for obedience is just so that we're coming from the right spot, uh, spiritually and emotionally, but also um, so it makes it easier and less of a burden to be an obedient Christ follower. So Zach, what do you think when you hear the topic of obedience? Oh, I, honestly, I think part of it, you took some of the words out of my mouth there. Um, it's hard for me to not think of that that parent-child relationship because I think that's my biggest experience with obedience is especially being this young. Uh, and Harper is still also so young that her sense of obedience, like I don't, I'm not on the people being obedient to me side. Also, I'm the husband in the marriage. So, uh, I, you know how that works. Um, but Harper being so young, she just, I don't really have that framework for it. So it's hard for me to have any other kind of scenario in my mind, other than me being obedient to someone, especially even in my career, right? I, I don't have any direct reports or anything like that. So I'm always answering to someone who is like, quote, above me or has some authority over me. So it feels like at every turn in my life, I find myself uh, beneath people or being the one being obedient. Um, I'll, I'll say in all my all the parts of my life that uh, outside of be, being a Christ follower, I feel like every experience I have with obedience is being the one who is obedient. So I think a lot of times that's frustrating, like especially think about in your career. You know, if you have a disagreement with the person that you have to be obedient to, 
um, I think that can be sort of, I think it could be frustrating. So I think maybe that's probably the word I would use more than anything else when I frame it negatively. I think I can get frustrated with obedience um, and it can kind of get exhausting because I like say in my career, I might think that my way is better than whatever my superiors are telling me to do. Um, so I think I know better. Um, uh, spoiler alert. This is a, an analogy I'm going to make later on in the podcast. Uh, but I think that can, that can wear on, on me at least, um, you know, when I am living in this tension of, well, I have to do what this person says, but I think that this thing is a better, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think one of the big things you hit on there is I think the part where obedience is a drag is when what you want personally is at odds with what you know you should be doing or what someone else is requiring of you. And I think maybe why that plays out in a Christian sense is like Jesus said, like, if you are my disciple and if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And that's, I feel like, um, you know, throughout all of the scriptures, it's clear that God is in control and his plan for his people is obedience to his um, desires for the world and for our lives. And so that's where that's maybe frustrating sometimes is like we feel that you have to give up that sense of control. And sometimes the things you feel like you might want to do can feel like a drag. But I want to bring in an analogy for this through the use of sports and being a sports fan. So when I think of sports, I think of um, as a fan, there are certain things that if you're going to call yourself a fan are expected of you. Like you're ex like, if I'm going to be a Vikings fan, I'm probably going to be expected by someone to be quote unquote obedient to the tenets of knowing who the players are, catching the games, cheering them on in the playoffs. And if I didn't do any of those things, you'd probably say, well, is he really a fan if he knows none of the players, doesn't know what's happened at all this year, and doesn't care about the outcome of any of their games? And really, when you think of it as a sports fan, you don't, for me, at least watching the Vikings, it's, it is more out of an affection for the team. I actually enjoy watching the game. You don't have to tell me okay, Cody, if you're going to be a fan, you have to go watch the Vikings now. It's like, that's a choice that I gladly make to go watch them. And in this sense, being obedient to the team um, has a, a much different uh, motivation than duty. And, you know, unfortunately, I wish the Vikings were a little more obedient in winning a Super Bowl, but I don't get to control that. Yeah, they're not very reciprocal on on the their side of the bargain there. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So that's maybe where you see obedience not playing out in both directions and uh, has you questioning your affections and love and, um, you know, maybe what you want from them. Right. Um, yeah. So I think I think then th that kind of brings me to uh, I, I think, yeah, I like what I like what you say a lot. It's you it's not this blind like. I, I, I actually think you nailed it. I'm trying to phrase this correctly, but it's not just this blind, like for no reason at all, I'm just going to do all these things. I'm just going to check all these boxes. Like if you're not subscribing for lack of a better word to being a fan of the Minnesota Vikings, it doesn't make a ton of sense for you to do all these actions that would be the quote, like 
obedience of a Minnesota Vikings fan. Like those, th- like that just doesn't make a ton of sense unless you're going to sign up for it, for lack of a better word. So, um, yeah, I I think that it's it's less of a when we kind of frame this up into Christianity, I'll pitch this over to you, see what you think. Do you think it's like it, it's less of a maybe just a way to think about it, um, less of like a list of boxes we have to check, um, and more of like a you you first made the decision to subscribe to this this code subscribe to this way of living to submit yourself ultimately to god um and say i am going to submit to you you are you are my god and then comes the this is this is kind of the the things that come with this i don't i'm not really explaining this well but it's kind of like an order of operations thing. It's it's not a here are these blind actions that you just do. It's here's a decision I made. I want to do this. God, I want to follow you. And these are just the things that are what it means to follow God. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to start thinking about it because it's, it's not like a job where everyone has to work, right? So that you can have money and maintain a living. Like with the sports analogy, we were talking about a voluntary association. You are freely choosing to be a Vikings fan. You don't have to be. And I think that's one way to think of like, um, with Christianity, you're thinking about this and now I'm not getting into a, I don't know, a predestination debate, but it's, it's like a voluntary association. You don't have to be a part of it. And I think when we start viewing what Jesus wants from us in our lives uh, for obedience through the lens of work that we have to do, we misunderstand what he intends for us. Because he said, come to me, all you who are um, burdened, and I will give you rest. Like the idea of following Jesus and obeying him should be restful in a sense. And uh, I think one way I also want to frame this up is like, it's important to keep in mind, like when I look at uh, one of Michael's, I'll give him credit again, one of his favorite verses in the Bible. Um, you are giving Mike, this is two weeks in a row that you're I giving Michael I, Francis I, credit. He can't, he can't. I said, I didn't want him to listen to the podcast today because they didn't hear me complimenting him, but here I am doing it again. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, second Corinthians five fourteen. um, Paul, when explaining to the Corinthians, like all he has done for them, for their faith, um, and what he, um, wants to see from them as a church body at one point he says for it is the love of christ that controls us he doesn't say i'm a jesus follower so i have to do this it's because i love jesus and this is controlling me i want to see your faith um, built up bolstered and strengthened in this world and it's no coincidence either that the greatest commandment of the old testament as jesus also affirms multiple times is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this idea that obeying him is coming from a place of love and affection and not from a place of being obligated to him. Right. And going off that, I want to, I kind of want to jump right into another Bible verse here. This was one of the things that jumped in my head right away as we talked about the idea of motivation um, for obedience. Uh, this comes from Philippians 2 8. Uh, talking about Christ and Christ's example of humility, he says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
And what I like about this verse is we see this link between obedience and humility. Um, it, it's it's inseparable, right? In, in talking about what humility, the definition of humility and the ultimate example of humility, right in the middle of it is that big fat word obedient. That that was ultimate that was the a key action in demonstrating in Christ demonstrating his humility was complete obedience to the father um this and obedient and this is maybe a different way to think about it that honestly I haven't thought about much before before I started kind of looking into this a little more and reflecting on it more um obedience is this application of humility right there's this humility that that we start with and then it, it is an action that by definition humbles us or lowers us before another thing right you can think about that and that you can be obedient to anything if you're going to be obedient to something what you're doing is you are submitting yourself you're putting yourself underneath it right you're saying you have authority over me otherwise you're not being ob- obedient to it you know there, if you're not giving it some measure of authority, there's nothing for you to be obedient to. Um, otherwise, it's just like it's just kind of blind, aimless action that that is just is just meaningless. Um, so that that's kind of this link that I made here is that ultimately our obedience will come out of a place that is us humbly submitting to God continue, continually, and that is perfectly displayed. In Christ on the cross, that Christ is our ultimate example of obedience, and that's something that I honestly just haven't thought about that much. In wh- when I've thought about obedience, mm-hmm. and Zach, I, I um, absolutely love that you quoted Philippians two eight. Uh, it got me, um, it got me rolling off off what you were saying. This idea of um, obedience and authority and humility, and you know, ultimately, I want to tie that verse into Hebrews 12, where um, it says like what in Paul, well, many people assume it's Paul who wrote this book, but we don't know for sure. Um, You you can be, you can feel confident, but uh, I'm not going to get into that one. Um, A different time. But uh, yeah, maybe that'll be its own podcast. I wonder how long that'll go. Uh, uh, Forever. Yeah, yeah, let's not. Um, Yeah. but it, tying it into Hebrews 12, um, it says in, in encouraging us to lay aside sin and then encouraging us to run the race set before us, a.k.a. enduring life and everything that life brings at us. The author encourages us to look to Jesus because it says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So when I think of this in terms of Christianity, Zach, you're completely right that to submit to someone and to obey them is to say that they are, they have an authority, but it's also like crazy in Hebrews. He ties it to Jesus went to the cross because it was joyful for him. And how can you possibly be joyful unless you understand that the God of the universe loves you and has the best in mind for you. And sometimes the best in mind for you in this life is going through things that are difficult, even to the point of death in, in the case of Jesus or many of the apostles. But ultimately, the life you will experience with God or the life you can experience now as he's refining you is joyful when we understand that and we love him and we have affection for him. And the sense of duty is 
replaced by this love and affection that leads us to be humble, that leads us to submit to Jesus, that leads us to obey him and prove that we do indeed love him because we trust him. Right. And um, I jokingly made it. And I think because I think there's a little application to be made here where this I think because there's a really strong idea that these little tidbits of of the us to God relationship and, and how that filters into other parts of our life. Um, and I, uh, I jokingly made made a comment about marriage in the idea of obedience, right? That, you know, being the husband, like I, uh, you know, my wife is the one who calls the shots, right? I'm going to, I'm going to do what she says. I want her to be happy. So making the joke about that, but there is, there is some measure of, of truth to that, um, that I am right. Uh, when we, when we read about marriage, there's this idea of submitting to one another, ultimately as a husband, I'm going to sacrifice for my wife. And in some ways I am going to humble myself for her preferences and I'm going to be obedient to her desires to serve her. I'm going to go against my own selfish desires to care for her. Um, and that comes from this place of this, the same humility that God is teaching me can kind of leak into those other parts of our lives. So now that instead of this begrudging duty to my wife that I have as, as her, as, as a provider in the family, um, as a caregiver in the family, now becomes this this joy of of this loving relationship and this oneness that we have so when we reframe the duty for joy i i think that that relationship between us and god is going to leak into other parts of our lives and we're going to start to be able to replace begrudging and and grumbling as paul also writes about in philippians don't do things with grumbling um, but in, instead, you know, be blameless and innocent, right? Um, that, that relationship we have with, with God teaches us something about all those other relationships. So, uh, cause I think it's really popular and you probably experienced this as well. It's really popular to, to, especially I'm going to talk about marriage relationship a little more. It's really popular to like rip on your your spouse like especially in like the workplace it seems like that's just the common thing to do that oh the wife was you know grump tell me do this do this do this do this do this but you know that's that's kind of this when it's just action for the sake of action that's what you that's what you get to and that's what our relationship with god could be like as well if we're just seeing it as just stuff to do but when instead we we approach it humbly it can reframe everything to be joyful. Uh, I don't know. Have you kind of experienced that before? I completely have. And, and I actually, uh, to go off that, my, uh, my parent, uh, parents-in-law have always, uh, when Marn and I were dating and engaged, they always stressed the importance of not um, bad talking your spouse behind your back, just as a general good rule of thumb. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up, but it also like, kind of makes me think in that way that yeah when you do things just for the sake of you feel like it's something you should do or it just gets you the outcome you may or may not want um and you're not doing it out of care or affection for this other person it does lead to complaining just as you said and i think in this uh, marriage relationship is a good time to insert a john piper story um i remember listening one time to 
a podcast from him and he talks about this idea of love versus duty when it comes to our Christian walk. And he talks about his wife. He says, now imagine, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to add something to this story about the, uh, going against what you want, you know, maybe going to stop and get your wife flowers is inconvenient because now you have to make an extra stop on the way home and there's traffic. And now you got to maybe dodge some more potholes on the way home because you live in Minnesota, you know, it's inconvenient. It's not what you want um, in your flesh right away, but you decide to do it. And it's your anniversary and you bring the flowers home and John Piper tells the story of how he, he gives his wife the flowers and she goes, oh, this is so beautiful. Why did you do this? And he says, straightens up stiff as a board and says, I did it because it's my duty. And the guy interviewing him laughs because he says, you get it, right? I just blew it. You know, I did, it's my anniversary. And I said, I did this cause I'm supposed to do it. Right, 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 right. And uh, he goes on to say, no, what I should say when I present these flowers. And she said, well, why did you do it? And he says, because I couldn't help myself. I'm so in love with you. I'm so excited to celebrate our anniversary today that I just could not stop myself from going to the store and getting you flowers. And that yeah. ultimately brings his wife an honor that she could never get by him just doing something out of duty. And I think that's like the way we can think of, of God is like the way we live when we say, I did this because Jesus says I'm supposed to obey him, you know, in, in some ways that, that, um, can be humble and there's times where maybe, you know, that is appropriate, but yeah, that, that might better. be true. Yeah. That might be like a true statement at times. Like that's not like a, an untrue thing, but I think you're kind of selling it short. Yes. And what we should maybe strive for is the, the opportunities where we say, well, why did you do this? Well, because I couldn't help myself. I just, I love Jesus. I trust that he has the best in mind for me. And I know that what he has commanded me is ultimately for my good and the good of the world and for the good of um, his kingdom expansion in this world. And I want to be a part of that. I love the thought of that. And hopefully that can more and more be part of our mindset when it comes to obedience. So let me pitch this over to you. So I agree, right? Let, let me full stop. I agree completely. So let me pitch this over to you. How do we then uh, live? Uh, I'll use the word dichotomy. How do we live in the dichotomy of knowing our affections should stir our actions. I know that. That is true. I believe that. That the love of Christ will compel me to act a certain way. How do I live with the dichotomy of that? But also, when I don't feel those affections, but I still need to be obedient. How do I, how do I live in that spot? Because if, you know, I think you're, I think you're kidding yourself if you said, I have always felt completely joyful all the time, completely compelled all the time, just perfectly, right? That's just, that just doesn't happen. So what do we do when we, when we don't feel like being obedient, you know? Mm -hmm. That, that's a good question. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really thought of that, uh, teeing up this conversation because <laughs> I, I totally agree. I've been in that spot before. I think we all have, where it's like the thing you have to do whether it be in your Christian walk or otherwise, you know, and hopefully your Christian walk is impacting all of life, but the thing in front of you isn't exactly what you feel like doing in the moment. And um, I think that is such a good question, Zach, exactly why we want to wrestle with that on Theology of Plain Men. And I think um, my my first, and this is really knee-jerk for me. I wasn't prepared for this question. I, I think That's what we're all about here, TPM, like, knee-jerk reactions. That's our tagline. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, verbal processing, aka knee-jerk reactions. Um, I think when I think of that, I, I think of this idea that sometimes, as we've kind of alluded to, you do something because you know it's the right thing to do, and you trust the person who's in charge. And I think when it comes to this, you know, sometimes there are going to be times where hopefully as the spirit's moving in us, as we're reading God's word and we're falling in love with him, it's easy. It's not burdensome because it's exactly what we want to be doing. But there are going to be other times where, like you said, it's going to be difficult uh, in our flesh to want to obey God. And I think in those moments, we, we work it out just like we'd want to work it out with any other person, whether that be in prayer or in the word or, or finding ways to engage with God and not drowning him out in everything else, you know, instead of spending zero time with God, we are finding time to spend with him, but also knowing in our minds that we trust Christ, we trust everything he has shown us to be in our lives up to this point and in his word. And so we know that even if it's not something we necessarily want to do, we know he has the best in mind for us and we're going to trust that. So you said two things right off the, like right out of the gate that I think are key, like absolutely key. Uh, oh, fun fact. <laughs> we're going to run out of time. So we're we got gonna, 10 minutes. Yeah, we got 10, <laughs> ten minutes. Line. We are going to uh, rip through this then. So you said two things that I think are key. And this is, we're, we can just roll into application from this because this is going to be my application point of this. Um, you said uh, you know what's like, you ultimately, you know what's right. And then you act with trust and faith. So those are two things you said right away. And the idea of knowing what's right, that's that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? When we don't feel that something is is like we don't feel like we want to do something, but it in like we know that there is like objectively a right thing to do, that's that's God in our conscience telling us, "Hey, this is the right thing to do in this time." Um, often we just don't want to listen to it because we still have some side of us that is still sinful. And then, and then you talked about acting with trust and faith. So if I'm honest with the, con- with the, the congregation, with the listeners, with the people out there, I hopefully our listeners are a congregation <laughs> at this point, but yeah. maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can call two to three people a congregation, but, um, I have often come cause I'm a big feeler, big time feeler. Um, so I've often combated a lack of feeling with blind obedience, with kind of a grit your teeth and get through it. Like there's going to be times where you don't feel right, where things don't feel good. You don't feel joyful. Um, and that's big for me, right? That's a, that's a big deal to a feeler because so much of my personality, my, my life is, is feeling that that's just, that's my personality. That's, that's who I am. It's just that's just me. And that's okay. Um, but often I've combated that with just head knowledge and saying, just plow through. You just got to plow through it. That ultimately the grass is going to be green. You got to plow through. And I don't think that's, there's some nugget in there that I think is good. Uh, but to me, I, I've been missing a step. And I, I think this is what I came up with that I think could be right. It could be wrong. It's probably a little wrong in some ways, but it could be right. So this this is is how I'm answering this question. Three steps. One, humble yourself before God, and you have to submit that he ultimately knows better than you, right? So this is taking into account what you just said, Cody, that 
uh, you that you know what is right, and you like God's word has shown you that this is the right thing. This is the wrong thing to do. Humble yourself before that. Give that authority. Right. You have to give God authority. Two. Trust that God's ways. And in parentheses here, I wrote. Uh, if you want to call it a moral code, a way of living, expectations of the believer, marks of the spirit, or fruit. So trust that those things that we read about in scripture are objectively what is right, like what is correct in this situation. And then three, I wrote, act in line with that faith and that humility, right? And I think oftentimes I've left out the humility part where I've just, I've just acted, I've, I've trusted that God is right. I've said, yeah, I, I, this is right. I'm just going to do it. But I haven't thought about actually lowering myself and saying, you know what? I, I don't feel it, but God, I'm going to submit to you and, and actually reframing my mind to being humble and approaching my obe- my obedience from a humility standpoint. Because ultimately, I think that is what's going to help you reframe your affections is by willing to be hum- being willing to be humble. So that's my application, I, I think, as we talk about this is don't forget about humility and that obedience without humility is kind of just blind action. Um, that that you know, if you're going to be obedient to God, you have to let Him have authority. Otherwise, it's to me, it's it's like a fake obedience. You know, so so that's my application. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about humility. And I actually even just want to tag one more thing in what you said with um, also just trusting that not only that God, what God wants from us is right and that he has the authority to do it but also that he has the best in mind for you personally i think it's a big thing too is like sometimes when it's hard to obey people it's because we don't think they have the best in mind for us or that they're leading the group or the ship in a wrong direction but we know god is and that he has the best in mind for us and as romans 8 says he is working the good of all things for those who love him which includes us so um and there it is again, love again. Uh, uh, he's working in all things for the good of those who love him, not necessarily just those who dutifully obey him. Um, but I think my the application point I want to finally get to now, because um, Zach, you gave yours. And, and the one I thought is just like, do the habits in your life help you to love God? Um yeah, I like that. I think if we're going to talk about this idea of loving God and trusting God and joyfully obeying him because we love him and trust him, I think the habits in your life have to mirror that. Um, I'll quote John Piper one more time. I was listening to um, Ask Pastor John this week, and he was talking about movies during coronavirus. Um, people wondering, you know, what does that say about me when I don't run to God and I just run to movies and TV shows? And towards the end, he just kind of talks about movies in general. He's like, he's not opposed necessarily to people watching a ton of movies because they are anti-God. It's just because God's nowhere in there. Um, you know, when your free time is is clogged up by things that don't ever require you to think of God, it's it's that relationship where if you, if you neglect friends or you neglect your spouse, you know, you'll see the fruit of that in that you just kind of drift apart and you lose affection. And um, I think of that, you know, think of people that you knew in high school that you considered friends, but maybe don't anymore. And it's just because you haven't talked to them in years. And I like to think of that with God, like how do the habits 
the the podcasts you listen to, the music you listen to, the things you watch, uh, how you spend time with friends, like how do those things help you to love God so that obedience to him isn't a chore and is more of a delight and because we trust him. Yeah, I like that. Hopefully, uh, to the listener out there, I hope you got some some good nuggets from this. Um, I hope you are able to, as you go in your life, um, I hope you can work on reframing your idea of obedience. Um, don't don't feel that you that you should have a, a blind obedience, but rather um, it is our prayer that you would reframe um, your obedience for joy and ultimately, uh, humility before God and faith in God. Um, from all of us here at the TPM podcast, uh, I hope our verbal processing was edifying for you. Have a great week, everybody.